Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. From the birthplace of America's music, this is Super Talk Mississippi, streaming live 24-7 at supertalk.fm. Lavish leaks and streams, pines full of the wildest life and possibility. I say one Mississippi, there's a magnolia tree. It's Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi. From the Foundation Studio on Biloxi's Back Bay, welcome to Super Talk Outdoors, where we celebrate every single Monday at lunchtime the world-class outdoors of the state of Mississippi because we are the capital of the outdoors in America. Hope you're having a great Monday and had a great weekend out in the outdoors. Uh, it's a great time of the of the year to live in, in Mississippi, that is for sure. Thank you for joining us on the powerful Super Talk Mississippi radio network or on Super Talk TV at C Spire TV. But if you're listening on Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast, it is June the 6th, 2022. Hey, we've got a great show today. We're going to be joined in the first half with my friend David Machado, and we're going to talk about offshore fishing and just our love of coastal Mississippi and how uh, we have such a, a, such incredible access to a fisheries from here. One of the reasons we're the capital of the outdoors in, in America. And then the second half, we're going to be joined by wildlife biologist Rick Hammock, who is the head of the small uh, game program at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So it's going to be a great show. So now let's move over to my friend David Machado. And first, just say good morning, David. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Ricky. How's it going, man? It's good. It's good. I've been really looking forward to visiting with you. We've, you know, you and I, we share such a passion for fishing offshore. And you, more recently, you've gotten deeply engaged in blue blue water fishing. You know, doing billfish tournaments and all that. You even caught a couple of bluefin tuna, kind of rare, uh, huge fish. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But before we go any further, I just want to mention that you're you're a board member for the foundation, officially known as the Foundation for Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. I talk about the organization all the time. I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the show. But it's a great organization doing important work, isn't it, David? It's been incredible, yeah. I'm, I'm one of the newer uh, foundation directors, um, but but the work that, that the foundation does is, is so critical to, you know, enhancing and preserving the outdoors in Mississippi. And there, there's so many things that I didn't know about um, that there were important work that they were doing, um, especially for youth and, and different things through archery and, and all kind of stuff that I, I didn't know about. So it's been it's been a great, you know, that's one of those boards that you serve on that you're really proud and you, you feel like you're making a difference. So it's been awesome. Well, you're you're a busy guy, and back before I retired, uh, I was a busy guy. And I often said that if you want to get something done in the community, you got to go find a busy person to do it because you 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 know you get the connection between being involved and helping build a better, stronger Mississippi and having more successful business. You understand that link and one of the reasons you've been so involved in so many different things. But you're right about the foundation. It's been great doing this show because it, it it's interesting. I've learned a lot about it. Obviously, the, the Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund that the foundation was so far behind, so much behind, I was uh, you know very passionate about that. Watching how the foundation in so many different ways has helped fill gaps, funding gaps for the department around, and you mentioned 
mentioned it, youth, the, the importance of youth, edu, you know, hunter education. And, and the archery program in Mississippi probably is second to none in the United States. Um, yeah. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but the work the foundation is doing to support the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks I mean, I can't. You can't. It can't be overstated how important that work is. And what I mean, you, you're surrounded by some really, really dedicated board members, aren't you? We are. They're, they're, it's a very, very active board, um, and that's what it kind of makes you so proud to, to sit at that table uh, around uh, the men and women that are involved in that. And their their everybody's passion is is equal there, and and it's all about enhancing and preserving the outdoors in Mississippi and. A lot of different projects, a lot of different funding, you know, really involved in the parks. That was something I didn't really know about that falls under the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, but our parks around Mississippi and, and keeping those to, to be, you know, great places to go visit and the opportunity for people to go enjoy the outdoors. Um, you know, it's really special. It really is. And, you know, we talk about this on the show all the time, but COVID, one thing COVID did is help people know that they were safe outside. So, you know, hunting license and fishing license sales went up and the number of people who were enjoying the state parks went up. Um, you know, it's been a great opportunity. I mean, always in a challenge like the, like something like COVID, obviously, you, there are always these little pockets of, uh, of opportunity. And one certainly is a reminder of how precious and important the outdoors is to Mississippi and why it's important for our conservation and, and the sort of the legacy we're leaving for our kids and our kids' kids. That's what it's all about. Hey, listen, I spent a whole show with you on my Coast View show, the show on the coast, the, uh, Super Talk, uh, focused on coastal Mississippi, about the work that you, you're doing as an entrepreneur. You're a big, passionate Mississippi State guy. But you've built a thriving and a growing multidiscipline architecture and engineering firm. You're headquartered in Biloxi, but you're really doing projects across the southeast. Tell me more about the, your firm and what you're up to these days. Yeah, so, um, you know, I know we're going to talk fishing in a little bit, but it, we've been so busy. It's uh, definitely been tough to fish as much as I'd like. But but we're, we're really busy right now. Uh, a lot of our market uh, is in the schoolwork right now. There's a there's a lot of um, COVID uh, related funding that's in place to enhance air quality, um, you know, separation, and social distancing, things like that. So we're we're really busy uh, in in the school markets right now. Uh, you know, replacing air conditioning systems, putting in new windows or protect UV light and enhance air quality. Um, you, you know, expand so that. We can spread kids out a little bit more. So, um, really, that's that's our, our big push right now and what we're really busy with. But we've also got some great other projects um, around here that we're working on. Um, but but most of our work is probably from, if you drew a line from somewhere around Starville to, to Jackson and South, that's that's where most of our, our work is. And, uh, yeah, we've been fortunate and been very, very busy right now. Well, I mentioned in the show when we, when we visited on coast here that if you drive around coast of Mississippi, you would be, it would be hard not to see a, uh, Machado Botan Botano engineering and architecture firm sign. That's for sure. Hey, listen, uh, you know, when was the first time that you went offshore in coast of Mississippi in your own boat? Said, oh wow! Well, as long as my mom's not listening to this, because uh, <laughs> we had when I was growing up, I had a uh, a fifteen foot 
little skiff that had a 40 Yamaha on the back of it. And I remember we used to trout fish around the, the rocks there behind Beauvais. And every morning when we're out there, I watched all those charter boats uh, run out of small craft harbor and head to the barrier islands. And, you know, they were catching redfish and mackerel and, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, man, I, I, I got to do that somehow. So we, uh, we would pick our days and, and we would sneak, sneak out there and try to troll for redfish and, and, uh, you know, big bull reds and, um, you know, Jack Cavell and, and all that stuff. Uh, so I was, you know, hooked from a very young age. That was, I was probably 16 years old. Um, and then, you know, as I got a little bit older, it's, it's kind of funny. You, you always want to go a little bit further and a little bit further. So when I was probably 18, 19, it was, uh, I had a buddy whose dad had a, you know, like a 32 Bertram, I think, and we would go snapper fishing and amberjack and lemon fish. And then, you know, as I got a little bit older, started watching the Biloxi, the, um, Mississippi Gulf Coast Billfish Classic that's actually this weekend. And I remember being in my late 20s and watching all these boats come in and, and parade out and, you know, bringing big marlin and tuna and things like that. And I was just like, I, I have to, I have to do that. So it's just funny as you get older, you want to go a little further and a little further and a little further, um, offshore to chase the, uh, chase the bigger fish. Yeah, it's uh, it is it is a thing that is progressive for sure. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done some blue water fishing, but mostly I, I'm uh, I like to I like to go out. I like to leave from my house and go out and spend the day, and be back at the end of the day. You know, and now right. you've got the kind of boat where you can go out and stay out at you know in blue water overnight and enjoy it there. But it has been, it's been fun. I know that we bumped into each other, you know, fishing for amberjack on, on reefs, you know, I don't know, 75, 80 miles offshore before. Right. And, right. uh, you know, we've, uh, we, we've, we've enjoyed, we enjoyed friendships with similar people. But it is, um, the more you get into the offshore fishing, you talk well about the progression. And if you, if I were to tell my story, it's very similar to yours. Spent years of learning Ship Island, for example, and, and then, you know, really spend a lot of time around Horn Island and wanting to go a little further. And then, you know, eventually, you know, going to some of the shallow rigs off of Chandelier. And my friend Terry Waldrop and I, we used to, we used to know exactly how much gas it was going to take for us to get there and then come back. And buddy, right. once we got there, we had to kill the engine because <laughs> it, right. be, right. it was going to be really, really, you know, iffy if we were actually going to make it back or not. But so many great, so many great memories, so many. I, in fact, um, our, our really good fishing partner, Kevin Parker, who um, unfortunately died of cancer last week, he, uh, he what an amazing guy he was. But he fished, Terry and, and Kevin and I fished together for, I can't tell you how many years. And eventually, uh, you know, Kevin came down with cancer and he fought it, he fought it hard, but unfortunately he passed away and, and we'll be fishing in his memory now. But look, when we come back on the other side, I want to talk about these last couple of trips that you've taken, you had yeah. really a rare occurrence. You had two back-to-back trips where you caught bluefin tuna. Unfortunately, you couldn't keep them, and you're in the midst of a billfish tournament. That first one, incidentally, would have been probably a, a, a winner for sure. Yeah. But let's we'll talk sure. about that and uh, and how it feels to to have a great crew with you out there fishing bluefish uh, bluefin. Uh, excuse me, blue. Uh, Mississippi News doesn't sleep, and neither do we. 
At supertalk.fm, you get news from all over the state. From stories to keep you safe, to legislation that could affect your bank account, to weather reports to help you better plan your weekend. Plus, find in-depth interviews with the newsmakers in the Supertalk podcast archives. And everything Mississippi sports. Your Mississippi news. All the time, on air and online at supertalk.fm.fm. The Dean's List with Janice Dean. A passenger who landed a plane safely after a pilot got sick makes today's Dean's List. The incredible moment happened at the Palm Beach International Airport with the help of air traffic controllers. The Cessna caravan passenger was heard saying, My pilot has gone incoherent. I have no idea how to fly the airplane. A dispatcher responded by asking the passenger his position, to which he said, I have no idea, but I can see the coast of Florida in front of me. Air traffic control told the passenger to, quote, Maintain wing level and just try to follow the coast, either north or southbound. We're trying to locate you. Controllers helped the plane descend and finally located it about 25 miles north of Palm Beach in Boca Raton. The man was then coached to the ground in what was reported to be a safe and steady landing. We're glad everyone is okay. To the passenger and those that helped him land the plane, great work. Janice Dean, Fox News. From the coast to the Delta and all points in between, the stories of your Mississippi, all 82 counties, are heard here. With Super Talk Mississippi News, what happens, why does it happen, and how will it affect you, your family, and your bottom line? From the capital to your county, we bring you the most important stories from all across the state. Stay here and stay informed. Super Talk Mississippi News, online at supertalk.fm. Securing America. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says the relationship with our ally across the pond is strong and even more vital after Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Russia's invasion has entered a different phase that is no less dangerous. But we will continue to work together with unity and resolve to rush Ukraine, what it needs to defend itself. Austin meeting with his British counterpart at the Pentagon praised the UK for stepping up to help Ukraine. Please accept my sincere thanks for what you and your country continue to do to help Ukraine defend its freedom and its citizens. UK Secretary of State for Defense Ben Wallace in turn thanked Washington for backing up words with action. The United States demonstrate that by their deeds they stand by their allies. The U.S. sending more than $14 billion in military and other assistance to Ukraine since the war began more than two months ago. Lawmakers approving those funds in swift bipartisan fashion. Steve Rappaport, Fox News. The Magnolia State to the world. You're listening to Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi at supertalk.fm. Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. As we listen to Steve Azar's song, One Mississippi, the theme song for Super Talk Outdoors from my friend Steve Azar. That song is now the state song for Mississippi. I'm so proud of Steve. I'm so happy for the state of Mississippi. And uh, anyway, Steve you know, couldn't happen to a better guy. He's so, he's so focused on this great state. And he's such a great ambassador for the state when he travels across the, the United States involved in fundraising efforts and doing concerts and whatever what a great ambassador he, he's in fact the music and cultural ambassador for the state of mississippi and there's a good reason for that but one mississippi what a great song we're visiting with my friend david machado he uh you know he's an he owns an architecture and engineering firm 
uh, here in coastal Mississippi and does work across the southeast. But but he's also someone like my like myself who is literally addicted to offshore fishing. We're going to talk about some of the most recent situations that you've had as it relates to billfish tournaments. But before I do that, when you think about what we have access to from here, David, I mean, whether it be the rigs or incredible reef opportunities, whether whether it be chandelier or, you know, just just surf fishing for redfish or specks or it's unbelievable i mean truly it's got to be literally when you add it all together some of the most productive fishing water when you think about all the species that we have access to some of the most productive is clearly in the united states it, it is, and it's it's very undervalued and very underrated. But it, it, uh, trust me, when you see this weekend and you see you know over a hundred uh, boats come in to fish this this uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Billfish Classic from Texas to South Florida, um, they they understand truly what we have here. Um, and I was actually on the dock yesterday and there was a family from Texas that was going snapper fishing this morning. Um, it, it, it's, it's amazing because we, we truly have the total package between the hospitality and the entertainment and the, the venues that we have here for family and, and friends and everybody to come and enjoy it. And then, you know, you, you can go you know, fishing and, uh, you know, right offshore here and be back the, the same day and, and enjoy a dinner at, you know, Mary Mahoney's or something like that at night. I mean, it's just, it's truly a, a special place. And, and I, I fish a lot of these tournaments from Orange Beach and Destin and, you know, they have them down in, in South uh, Louisiana. Um, there's no other tournament in the Gulf of Mexico that brings more boats than this Biloxi tournament. And that's, I mean, that's a fact. So it, it's, it's, it's been great amazing. watching. Of course, I used to fish SKA tournament for many, many years. And, you know, I worked closely with Bobby Carter. And what he and Robbie have done with Mississippi Gulf Coast Billfish Classic, right. a lot of great volunteers, is truly remarkable. And Robbie, I've had him on the show, and he talked about how he's utilized social media and photography to really build that. And they're using all the all the – I mean, really, if you think about it, it's 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 all about just sharing what's actually happening. You know, making sure for, from the marketing efforts and especially through social media, people have a good grasp of how special all these components work together. What you can do when you're back on land, what, what incredible water you have access to. When you have that many, first of all, the, the number of boats is not just the boats, but the kind of boats that we're do- talking about here. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of boats all at one time. You know, going out to fish together. It's a it's a hell of a it's a hell of an experience, isn't it? It's special. It's special. And then you know when you're down there uh, at the dock, and if anybody's around Biloxi, I encourage you to go behind the Golden Nugget uh, this weekend and just you know see a, a, a amazing venue of, of beautiful boats lined up with a lot of lot of friends and a lot of fishing stories and uh, a lot of a uh, lot of tears too, a lot of heartaches, a lot of heart. You know, we were this close. And, yeah, we let the big one get away, or, or whatever the old saying is. It's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of families, you know, do this together and and have a good time, and it's it's really special. Well, again, I fished I fished tournament wise for I don't know somewhere between twenty and thirty years. I can't tell you how many fish I lost at the gaff. 
And it's just right. it's just part of the deal, man. It's just or get a great bite, you know it's a great fish, and then lose it immediately, or fight a fish for hours and still lose it, and it's just it goes with the deals. But part of the part of the fun of it is the camaraderie and the stories and the and the lifelong memories that you're creating that never go away, do they? That's right. Yeah, it is. It's all so, uh, group of friends. Hey, one, one quick thing before we get to the Orange Beach Billfish Classic. Uh, you've had a lot of success in your life, as do many of the other boat owners who are involved in these tournaments. But it's still painful when you have to deal with the cost of uh, diesel fuel these days, isn't it? Wow, man, it, it is. It's. Uh, I, I was looking back at some of my stuff from last summer. We were paying two forty-five a gallon, and now we're paying five forty a gallon. So, man, yeah, it, it, somebody asked me, it says, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I mean, there's nothing I can do. I mean, we ha- the boat has to, it has to fish. It has to be used. I mean, that's the worst thing is to sit it up and, and not, not do any of that. That costs way more than, than, you know, the fuel. So, <laughs> um, hey, anyway, so uh, yeah. let's, let's go to the Orange Beach Billfish Classic and you guys, um, you, you caught a really big blue fin, and unfortunately, you're like three or four days out from the, the official time when you could actually keep a blue fin. You didn't know what it was initially. Um, where were you? And tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so um, we were uh, we were about probably three miles off of the rig, and like you said, they had just closed uh, bluefin tuna about three days before. Um, there was actually this tournament historically on this weekend, bluefin tuna is still open and they've had several, several bluefin weighed at that tournament, uh, over the years. Um, so it was a little bit rare. What I heard is there were some Texas boats that they had a tournament down there and evidently they got on a good bite and that they basically, after that quota came in to NOAA, they, they shut that fishery down, which Rightfully so. I mean, I'm all for that. Like, we need to protect these fish. They're they're big, beautiful fish. They're rare. Um, and but I can tell you just from our activity and where where they're they're plentiful in the Gulf this summer. So that was really cool to 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 be, be seeing them like we have. But we were basically trolling lures about um, four miles off of a uh, off of a rig. Really, just kind of skull what we call skull dragging. It's basically just kind of pulling in a blind. No, just basically moving spots. Um, and he came up and, and hit one of the lures and we saw it was a huge fish. Um, you know, two guys saw it and thought it was a, a big marlin. One other guy saw it and he, he was probably a little bit more experienced and he was pretty sure it was a tuna, but you know, regardless, we had to fight it, you know, to the end. So four and a half hours later in the chair, we finally, finally got him to the boat, you know, confirmed it was a big, big bluefin tuna. It's the biggest fish I've ever seen in my life um, next to my boat. Uh, but uh, we kind of floated a tape back on him. It was 100, roughly 100 and somewhere around 106 to 108 inches. And, um, you know, we kind of, you can get on an app and estimate the weight of the, the fish based on some of those measurements. And we estimated it would be around 700 pounds. So it was, uh, it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, but it, we knew it was a once in a lifetime, uh, you know, for some people, once in a lifetime, uh, opportunity and experience. But, uh, yeah, it was, we were three days away from, 
Way in the, uh, no doubt, way in the winning tuna at, at the Orange Beach Billfish Classic. So when you say over 100 inches for people, I mean, the average person who's never even put their foot in salt water before, who watches reality TV like Wicked Tuna, for example, they know immediately what kind of weight we're talking about on the fish like that. But what do you, what did you yeah. estimate it to be? We estimated it to be somewhere around 700 pounds. Man. Based on it, and and you know we kind of tried to because uh, we had to get the girth to, and that was difficult to do because we had to release the fish. But um, you know it was a it was a very 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 big fish. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my son-in-law's dad, Keith Williams Senior, is the guy who had the pleasure of having his number called for that particular fish. Was he? It? Sure was. He sure was. He took a lot of ibuprofen the next day, but um, but yeah, he was the guy in the chair for, for four and a half hours and, and I'm telling you he put up a hell of a fight. Um he, he never gave up a, a fish. He so our our we were fishing an eighty, an eighty which is that's the size reel we 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 fished and that's a eighty pound basically test uh line that goes on that reel. Um we we back our reels with braid and we put about uh four or five hundred yards of mono top shot on the on what we call it top shot. So we, the fish basically took about 450 yards of that mono. It never got down to the braid, but we could see it, um, you know, in the spool. Um, and, and so it was just a, you know, inch by inch, turn by turn. Um, that's at some point, you know, two steps forward and three steps back. But, you know, we finally, after, after four, four plus hours, got it, got it up. Well, look, we're out of time, but the, the, but the rarity of what you uh, experienced was the very next weekend you fished another tournament and caught another one in the four plus hundred pound range. But then we'll know. catch it. We'll, we'll catch up with you toward the end of the summer and see how see how you've done with your billfish tournaments, and uh, and just keep the conversation right. going. It's been a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Same here, Ricky. Appreciate you as always, man. Keep keep spreading the word. Appreciate Good it. luck to you. Good luck to you in your future tournaments, especially this weekend. Uh, this has been David Machado and uh, just a good friend, someone who loves fishing offshore, coastal Mississippi, just like I do. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation and talk about small game in Mississippi. See you after this break. He doesn't accept the narrative. He questions it. We're just getting to the bottom of this. Gallo, every single morning from 6 to 9, Super Talk Mississippi. No other news team covers the Magnolia State like Super Talk Mississippi News. On air with reports every hour and breaking news as it happens. Your news all the time, on air and online at supertalk.fm. Bullet points. I'm Jeff Manasso, gun control group, every town for gun safety. Out with a new report this week on guns stolen from cars. They're finding a gun is stolen from a car every 15 minutes in America. It's now the most common source of stolen guns. Using data from cities that report thefts to the FBI. Every town says cars parked at residences is the most common type of stolen gun. With top five cities for car gun thefts, Memphis and Chattanooga, Tennessee, Columbia and North Charleston, South Carolina, and Warner Robins, Georgia. 
A problem on the rise in several parts of the country. More and more Glock switches are being found. It's a little device that turns a semi-automatic Glock pistol into a fully automatic. An ATF special agent telling Fox News Nashville that he's fired all sorts of fully automatic weapons. But a handgun with a Glock switch was the most difficult to control. And those are your bullet points. I'm Jeff Manasso, Fox News. Welcome to summertime in Mississippi. It's hot out here. It's so hot out there. As we always say, welcome to the state with the purest form of humidity. The hottest talk all summer long. Heat's on, baby. Heat's on. Super Talk Mississippi. Available on the Super Talk app and at supertalk.fm. The Dean's List with Janice Dean. A grocery store worker that paid for a grandmother's groceries makes today's Dean's List. Maria Balboa is a college student who works as a bagger at HEB in Corpus Christi, Texas. She was helping a woman who had two little boys with her. But when it was time to pay, the woman only had $19 on her card and couldn't afford the rest. Maria says the woman was going to put back the groceries she couldn't pay for. But Maria decided to pay the bill for her. Maria says paying the bill was a little steep for a college student, but she knew she would get it back on payday and didn't know if her customer ever would. On her next shift, the manager called Maria into the office to tell her what a wonderful thing she did. The woman had written a note saying she was taking care of her grandchildren on her own to keep them out of foster care. She was so grateful for Maria's kindness and she wanted the store manager to know. The store reimbursed her and Maria received other gifts for being such a wonderful employee. Maria, thank you for your incredibly good deed. Your story is inspiring. Janice Dean, Fox News. I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Polls will be open Tuesday from 7 to 7 as voters choose their congressional nominees leading into the November general election. Secretary of State Michael Watson says if you're not sure where your precinct is, it's best to call your local circuit clerk. You know, we're bottom-up state. Uh, the, the hard work is done at the local level. So if you've got a question about, hey, were there any changes made, it's best to call your circuit clerk or elections commissioners to make sure you get the most accurate and up-to-date information. Voters are required to show photo ID at the polls. If you don't have that, you will be entitled to cast an affidavit ballot. And remember that you're prohibited from taking pictures of your marked ballot. For all the latest Mississippi news, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or online at supertalk.fm. I'm Kelly Bennett. Losing power can be a major disturbance for homeowners. Taylor Power Systems offers a full line of Riggs and Stratton home standby generators in numerous sizes to keep your lights on during a power outage. Financing is now available. Call Taylor Power Systems today, 601-932-5674, to discuss a standby generator for your home. Hey, it's Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't miss the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers every day at 5. Speaking of Ford, it's Ford Truck Month. Now is the time to get a great deal on the only trucks built Ford Tough. Work or play, get after it in a new Ford F-150 or Super Duty truck. Get behind the wheel in a new Ford Maverick pickup and get after any adventure with deals on Ford Ranger. Take advantage of our best offers on the full Ford lineup of Ford trucks. These deals won't last long. Get to Ford Truck Month at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. 
hit a grand slam this afternoon. Listen to Sports Talk Mississippi, the hottest sports show in the state. The action kicks off this afternoon at 3 on Super Talk Mississippi. The Super Talk app and at supertalk.fm. You're listening to Super Talk Mississippi, where the news comes first. With live updates from Super Talk Mississippi News and Fox News every hour. Available on the Super Talk app and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back to Super Talk Outdoors. I really enjoyed that conversation with David Machado. You know, there are a lot of people like David here in coastal Mississippi, whether they're pier fishing or wading or doing, you know, backwater fishing or fishing at the islands offshore, you know, in their boats or wading offshore, uh, you know, along the, the incredible, like, surf fishing that we have at the islands, or whether you're further out and catching snapper. Incidentally, the snapper reports have been incredible. Or going a little bit deeper and catching some amberjack and some mahi or going out to blue water and catching a 700-pound bluefin tuna. There are so many passionate fishermen all across the state of Mississippi. And when you consider what we have access to here, that's why I continue to say we're the capital of the outdoors in America here in Mississippi. Now we're going to shift gears to my friend Rick Hammond. Hammock, excuse me. Hamrick, Hamrick, excuse me. I, I don't know why I mis- said his name. I knew I knew how to say his last name there. But anyway, he's the small game uh, program coordinator for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Glad to be here. Sorry for destroying your name there at the beginning. <laughs> That's um, all right. Hey, listen, you know, I told you this when we were off the air, but there, if there is a common theme when I, when I go through each of my guests, and where they first found a love for the outdoors, I mean, almost to a person. You know, if they learned, look, if they learned the outdoors from a grandfather or a father, some people learn it from a friend when they get a little bit older, but if they learned it from a grandfather or a father, or in some cases, a mother or a grandmother, um, you know, small game is usually sort of that, that the Rosetta Stone that connects people to the outdoors. Uh, so you know you you as a program coordinator and as a as a as a wildlife biologist you know that very well don't you? Uh, very much so, and that's of course true for me as well. Um, I got my start small game hunting, like a lot of those folks you mentioned. My father obviously kind of kind of took me and showed me the ropes there, and so uh, kind of had a had a background in it, and that's, that's certainly where I started. Where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Newton County, Mississippi, down the east central part of the state. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And and what kind of hunting did you do growing up? Um, primarily, of course, started out with squirrel hunting. That was always a, a big draw to me. Uh, of course, deer hunted as well, like a lot of a lot of folks did. Of course, that was when deer numbers were were really very very high in Mississippi back in the kind of the early nineties. Um, sort of when I came up there, so deer was big, obviously. Uh, turkey hunting as well, and so those were probably the big, the big things I really did hunting wise there. So, so when did you know you wanted to make wildlife conservation a career? Where, where did that come from? Oh, kind of an interesting story, I guess, for me. Um, maybe a little different than some. I sort of grew up around it. My father was a wildlife biologist, and so I kind of had the 
experience of it to some degree there as a child um you know wasn't something necessarily i thought i was going to make a career until probably by the time i kind of got to where i was getting ready for college uh, like a lot of a lot of kids do going through all the different career path things in your head there started with several things before that and just kind of came back around to that was just i couldn't figure out out anything else i really wanted to do so um kind of having the exposure to it growing up hunting fishing just sort of um being outdoors all the other things that went along with it the naturalist components and, and things like that that just sort of led me led me into it and and here i here i am today <laughs> well you know what what's so interesting rick about your story and i hear this over and over again from people from the department once you found that this is where you wanted to, you know, put your stake down and in, in, in your career and make a contribution. The Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks is full of people like you who are just incredibly passionate about what you do and wanting to take all this knowledge that you gained to preserve and con- and conserve the resources for generations to come. And when you add up the, the all these efforts that are underway inside the department. Um, it's got to be great to be a part of something like that. It really is. I mean, we have a really great staff. You know, the folks we have in the field are really top notch. I mean, they're, they're, I believe, as good as anybody in the nation. So, you know, Mississippi gets a lot of bad press for a lot of things. But, um, you know, we we have an outstanding group of staff there. And so, yeah, it's, it's a real pleasure to work with a great group of folks like that. You know, one of the things that you know, one of the things that was important when we were having this debate, and I'm so glad the state has now passed a bill for the Conservation Trust Fund, and we'll, we'll continue to advance improving that effort along the way. But one of the things we kept saying was that you know, over 80 percent of the land in Mississippi is privately owned, and if we're going to be really serious about our conservation efforts, we have to do we have to do conservation on public land, and we've got to do conservation on private land. What's in, what's interesting about the private lands program for the state of Mississippi and also the small game program for the state is you guys have been super focused on making sure that we are we are doing conservation across all land in Mississippi, especially private land. You dedicate a lot of your energy into that area, don't you? Sure. Um, you know, private land really makes up the bulk of the land acreage in Mississippi, you know, being a rural state. I mean, we do have a lot of great public land opportunities and, and places to do that. And, and, of course, that's important to a lot of folks, too. Um, certainly, that's certainly a, a very big part of what we do and what we need to do. But, but certainly, I mean, a lot of these things, the conservation initiatives, things we have to do to really make wildlife conservation um successful you know has to happen on private land as well so you know we really can't overlook that part of it either so you know people think if you think about squirrels for example people think if you talk about squirrels they're always going to be there (laughs) and um that's not necessarily the case you know i mean the fact that you guys are working hard on surveys you're working hard to understand the whole sort of realm of the current situation as it relates to small game in Mississippi. Um, we'll talk more about some of the specifics in the program here in just a second but when we come back from the break. But just in a nutshell, if you were to tell someone what the small grant game program is in Mississippi, how do you describe it? Uh, I guess I would kind of describe that as just sort of being the 
program for those species, primarily squirrels, rabbits, and quail, really are the ones that fall kind of in the small game program area there. And I guess kind of what we focus on is, like you mentioned, just sort of keeping track of those, trying to keep tabs on the populations there, just um, you know what they're doing, keeping an eye on things like harvest trends and just sort of what's going on there just to keep um, keep a tab on the resource there just making sure we're we're doing things management wise um, regulation wise that are that are beneficial for the species and conserving those but still align with the recreational harvest opportunities but also the the habitat management components as well you know there's various research things things we learn and then we try to apply those in the field and so obviously working with landowners is a big thing that we do a lot of times in conjunction with our private lands program providing that technical guidance to folks to manage habitat, um, you know, make good good decisions on land use for that species they may be interested in. And so um, that's, that's a lot of the sort of what we do there is just oriented on the conservation of those species there that trying to make the best management recommendations we can. So, Rick, I, I, I um, lease three separate farms up in the Mississippi Delta, one in Shula, one between Greenwood and Blackhawk, and then another over in Minner City. And have a great relationship with the farmers, and so it's just a it's terrific. Actually, they work. We work very closely together on habitat improvement and doing the things that you need to be able to do. But what I what I've seen now that I've been engaged in, in actually managing uh, just a little family hunting club, essentially, what 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 I've done, what I've learned a lot about the importance of habitat way beyond just food plots for deers. You know, for for example. And what I've what I have found is the more I have conversations with people like me who either own land or lease big tracts of land, um, that they they all seem to have. If it's particularly farmers are involved, they all tend to have this kind of great relationship with local farmers. And everybody's a lot smarter these days about the role, for example, that controlled burns play, and and why habitat is so critical when you start talking about quail. And it's in Turkey, for example. I mean, they, there's a there, there's a very symbiotic relationship that both of those species have with the land, and it, obviously rabbits. Rabbits are obviously more tolerant, obviously, but uh, but I've, but I've noticed it just just a growing level of awareness about habitat that may not have been there five or ten years ago. What do you attribute that to? Just you guys, just to, the accumulating that nature, the knowledge, maybe social media. What what is it? Why are people so much more aware? of these things today than they were, say, five or so years ago? I think it's probably a little bit of all of the above. Um, uh, I would probably attribute some of that to our private land staff, you know, now that we've made a commitment as an agency to really focus on that as being an important part of what we do um, for about 15 years or so now. You know, I think that's starting to pay off there. Um, those with those those landowners has really really improved the the educational component there, getting the information out. But also, like you say, a lot of the just there's so much there now that folks can get, and I think that's helping as, as well. And so you know we do a, do a lot to try to get information out and to reach those folks too. So I think it's a little bit of all of the above. We're talking to Rick Hamrick, who's the head of the small game program for the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. When we come back, we'll talk about the annual hunter survey that's underway. And some other some other work that they're doing that's vital to improving small game in Mississippi. We'll see you after this break.
You know that nowadays more people are cutting the cord, ditching traditional cable and satellite television, and instead just streaming everything. With Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's over-the-top advertising, you can get your business seen on streaming TV. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's highly trained and trusted team can show you how your ad dollars can go further to reach a more targeted audience. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. Coronavirus crisis. Multiple oversight officials estimate that fraudsters stole at least $100 billion in COVID relief loan funding aimed to help small businesses survive. Authorities have made hundreds of arrests. According to authorities, Richard Avazian and his wife, Marietta Terabellian, adopted fake identities and secured at least $18 million in Paycheck Protection Program loans. They are alleged to have used those loans to purchase gold coins, luxury watches, and multiple homes. Richard was sentenced in absentia to 17 years. His wife sentenced to six. Both are awaiting extradition. Fox News sat down with Michael Horowitz, the chair of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. He's also the inspector general at the Department of Justice. I think people made a conscious decision. We're going to get the money out, and if there's fraud, you'll chase it later. And that's just not an acceptable model. The Department of Justice has multiple criminal investigations underway. That number is expected to grow. David Spunt, Fox News. You know that Nowadays, most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money. But what if the online information about your business is incorrect or even worse, not very flattering? If your online presence isn't great, you may be losing customers. Super Talk Mississippi Media Digital's trusted and highly trained team is the answer. We're ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. The Dean's List with Janice Dean. A passenger who landed a plane safely after a pilot got sick makes today's Dean's List. The incredible moment happened at the Palm Beach International Airport with the help of air traffic controllers. The Cessna caravan passenger was heard saying, My pilot has gone incoherent. I have no idea how to fly the airplane. A dispatcher responded by asking the passenger his position, to which he said, I have no idea, but I can see the coast of Florida in front of me. Air traffic control told the passenger to, quote, Maintain wing level and just try to follow the coast, either north or southbound. We're trying to locate you. Controllers helped the plane descend and finally located it about 25 miles north of Palm Beach in Boca Raton. The man was then coached to the ground in what was reported to be a safe and steady landing. We're glad everyone is okay. To the passenger and those that helped him land the plane, great work. Janice Dean, Fox News. Before your next trip into the great Mississippi outdoors, make sure you stop by your local Gateway Tire and Service Center, where we go the distance for you. No matter where the road takes you, Kenda has a tire designed for your journey. On the road, on the trail, or on the racetrack, you can count on Kenda quality. For the past 50 years, Kenda has been building a better tire for life's most demanding activities. Actually, they overbuilt them to ensure you succeed safely in everything you do. Stop by any Gateway Tire or Service Center near you for the largest selection of Kenda tires in Mississippi. While you're there, don't forget Gateway's ASE certified mechanics are trained to diagnose and repair your car or truck with honest customer service. Gateway Tire and Service Center offers lube, oil and filter changes, engine diagnostics, belts, hoses, brakes, wheel alignment, and of course, tires. Just like Kenda, designed for your journey. Gateway Tire and Service Center supports Mississippi Outdoors. And of course, we go the distance for you. 
birthplace of America's music. This is Super Talk Mississippi, streaming live 24-7 at supertalk.fm. Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi. It's cut through walls and fall football. Welcome back to Super Talk Outdoors. I really enjoy this part of the, sh- the show because... Not only did we learn what people like Rick Hamrick, who's head of the small game program court, uh, at for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, we get we get to know a little bit more about the man behind the programs. And uh, as I've said so many times, we get to we get to hear once again the passion that these people who work for the department have for conservation and uh, in teaching people what they know, so that we can all have uh, the ability to enjoy this for the rest of our lives and maybe our kids and our kids kids can do the same thing so it's really important so i'm enjoying visiting with my friend uh rick hamrick so hey rick you guys do an annual hunter survey that's that's happening in the next couple of weeks tell us about that well our hunter survey we've been doing now for uh probably over 40 years now um, some folks may not be aware of it, but um, it's one of the ways that we gather information on kind of what folks are hunting, um, you know, kind of the harvest trends, especially. Um, you know, they're not perfect estimates, but they, they give us a lot of information, you know, that we, we don't really have another way to get. And so um, kind of how that works is we take our licensed customer database that we have. When you buy a hunting license, you, you know, you, you get get put in the database there for um, record keeping as far as who has the license and everything. And so we draw a sample from that or a contractor we work with actually that's uh, a natural resources survey firm that we use. And so we contract with them just because they have all the tools and resources to do that. It just It's much more efficient to do it that way. And so we, we work with them to draw a sample of those license holders and then they will make phone calls. We've done it with mail in the past. Recently, we've been doing it with the, the phone call route there. And so they'll call someone. When they, when they get someone that's willing to take the survey, they'll ask them a series of questions about what they hunted, how many they harvested, and, and maybe a few other little questions there that go along with it. And so then they compile that, and then it gives us a report of sort of the harvest estimates and trends, numbers of hunters for all of our different game species, and um, that's that's kind of what we use to sort of measure harvest trends over time. And so, like I say, we've been doing that pretty consistently since about the early '80s. And so, initially, it was just residents. Now, it includes residents and non-residents. And so, it just kind of gives us a snapshot of what what's going on there, harvest-wise, from deer down to even coyotes and things like that so there's a big big long list of things there that that are included in the survey but that's that's useful information to us Uh, state agencies are charged with managing all of our resident game species but we also include some of the migratory bird information in that as well and so like i say it just gives our agency that's that's charged with managing those resources sort of a an idea of what's going on and relative to game harvest and, and the species that are in those those game classifications well, I think it's important that you guys work with a, a natural resources survey firm to do the kind of work that you're doing here. But as a former executive for news media for like 16 years of my career, uh, we spent a lot of time working with firms 
to get good, really good and reliable sample sizes so that we could get the kind of data we needed to be able to drive our company. I mean, it's really important. And you're not driving a company per se, but you are driving conservation efforts off this. So my point would be to, to people who get the call, take the time. You know, know, first of all, that this effort's out there, but they would not be able to understand sort of what your habits are related to the outdoors, especially as it relates to small game, which is where they're headed with the survey, if you didn't participate. So it's important. You know, the more people who participate, that means the less phone calls they've got to make. And uh, this, these days, everybody's tired of getting phone calls. But when you hear it's about this effort, take the time and uh, answer the questions. It doesn't take long. And help kind of feed into uh, the state wildlife agency from Mississippi the kind of information they need to be able to manage manage it. Um, over the years, you've gotten some great information, haven't you, Rick? Uh, yes, I mean we'll we'll even sometimes put some some different maybe topical questions, maybe about certain things, just kind of get people's opinions. We don't do a ton of opinion stuff with that format, but sometimes we will put some simple things in there. So that's always useful just to kind of have that that ability to just get some information quickly, um, get some feedback. And so, you know, it's, it's responsive management out of Virginia is who, who does that survey for us. And so, yeah, like you said, if you do get that call, it is a, a legitimate survey on our behalf. And so, so yeah, we, we do get a lot of good information there, especially this, those harvest trends are really, really useful, you know, just, just having that long-term data, especially just sort of seeing what, what's going on as far as participation and, and harvest is really, really valuable to us. The other thing you guys are doing in the wildlife management areas for Mississippi is you're taking a, a survey of, of the uh, Bob White uh, quail, and we got less than a minute left. But tell me real quick what that's about. Uh, well, real quickly, we do this on our wildlife management areas, maybe not every one of them, but um, some of our areas that have habitat conditions that are kind of conducive to, to supporting some quail populations. And so um, it, it's not a perfect census technique or anything like that, but it's another thing that kind of gives us some trend data. And so after we do that for multiple years, um, it gives us an idea about kind of what the populations are doing year to year, and, and it may even give us some sort of localized information. And so it just it gives us some information about the populations. Yeah, it's great to it's great to hear you guys are engaged in that. I look forward to having you back. You're someone I've enjoyed visiting with and getting to know better. And the work you're doing through the Small Game Program is so critical to Mississippi. And it's generationally important, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show. So thank you for joining me, my friend. Sure thing. Yeah, so this, yeah, this has been Rick Hamrick, who's the Small Game Pro, uh, Program Coordinator for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Have a great week. We'll see you next Monday. And stay safe when you're in the outdoors. See you later. Talk Mississippi Media Production.